I was a gunner's mate, Tonkin Golf. Logistics, Ramstein. Medic, Kandahar. As a veteran, it doesn't matter when or where you served. Infantry, Camp Pendleton. Or what you did. The VA has benefits that may be useful to you right now. See what VA can do for you. To learn what benefits you may be eligible for, visit www.va.gov. That's www.va.gov. Oh, it's another rewind. Monday, April 11th, 2022. Born the Battle, brought to you by the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, the podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I'm your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. However you listen to Born the Battle, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Facebook, the player inside the blog on blogs.va.gov. Hope you're having a good week outside of podcast land. So I should have realized how short a week it was going to be coming back from Vegas and how much time I would need to recover. No regrets. Got to see and spend time with my brother, which rarely gets to happen. To review press releases from the VA, you can always go to va.gov forward slash OPA forward slash press rel. And hopefully we'll be back at it next week with ratings, reviews, news releases, etc. All right. This is the rewind that I originally had in mind last week. It was one of Tim's last interviews for Born the Battle. And he had some great guests early on in this podcast history. If you peruse the archives, you'll find some diamonds. This Rewind features an Army World War II veteran who last week celebrated his 95th birthday. One generation would know him as Kit from Knight Rider, and my generation would come to know him as Boy Meets World's Mr. Feeney, who imparted wisdom to every 90s kid that I know. He is Army veteran William Daniels. Enjoy. Um, we're just briefly going to talk a little bit about uh, your time um, in the Army during World War II, because I think that's a, that's a part of your life people don't really like to hear about, and, and let them learn a little bit about that. Uh-huh. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I was in, uh, I think it was 13 or 15 weeks of basic training out in Little Rock, Arkansas, Camp Joseph T. Robinson, uh, when I was in the middle of, of the basic training, uh, when the bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. So uh, it was the end of the war after Nagasaki, and uh, I was shipped out to, um, to Italy, uh, where I was pulled off a, a, a troop train uh, by a fellow who didn't tell me anything except, Yo! Come with me. <laughs> and he drove me to a, uh, a building that had been a Nazi headquarters, a two-story building, and no- nothing presupposing, uh, where there was a radio station. Livorno. In Livorno, yes. And so uh, they deposited me there. And um, I uh, was in with a bunch of fellows who were in the actual war and they went home pretty soon and uh, I found myself at what 18 in charge of the station and it's a 
I think what we had maybe six or seven fellows there, uh, announcers and uh, technicians, uh, and I spent the rest of the, of my career in the army uh, there in Livorno in this radio station. Very interesting. Did you um, when you when you were you were drafted right uh, in into the army? Yes. You, yeah. Do you was that um, was that a what was your reaction to that? Were you expecting that that late in the war? Oh, I was happy about it. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, it got me away from my family, which uh, that sounds terrible, but uh, it wasn't. We were just so very close together that it was a relief to be on my own in the army. I enjoyed basic training very much. It got me into shape, better shape than I've ever been physically. And uh, there were some nice guys there that I got to know. And uh, then, of course, uh, it was a shame to be dragged off the train in Italy and, and placed in, in, in the radio station. But there I found that I, 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 I really belonged there because I was able to do uh, radio announcing and then finally running the whole station. So it was a pleasant experience for me. Uh, it was two years and uh, I enjoyed it all. Yeah. So, I mean, you said the bomb was dropped when you were in basic, so the war essentially had ended at that point. Uh, before yeah. before that had happened, though, what were your expectations for, for what you were going to experience when you got out of basic training? I, I had no expectations. I mean, you did as you told. Go stand over there. Go down there. <laughs> do whatever they tell you to do. And you did it without thinking. And half the time you didn't know what you were doing. Uh, uh, when you were being trained, you know, you did what you were told. You did the marches, even though some of the guys fell off the marches out in the Little Rock Hills of, uh, of, uh, of Arkansas. It was terribly hot in midsummer. But I got along with it. I was in pretty good shape. As I say, I got into really good shape there. Yeah. And I enjoyed every bit of it. Well, let me tell you, uh, 70, 80 years later, the, the military has not changed. That's, that's still how, how, how we operate. Go stand over there and just do what you're told. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, I enjoyed yeah. it, I must say. Can you re can you recall on either a close friend or a great leader that you had while you were in? If I don't know if you can if you can recall on on someone that fits either of those two roles, but if you can, tell me about oh, that person. Gosh, you know, we're going back so so far that uh, I. You mean a soldier? Yeah, yeah, someone, yeah, someone that he. Another soldier. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a man who, uh, you know, got caught into it in his thirty fifth birthday. He was drafted, and. Uh, he and I were bunkmates, and uh, he was 35 and I was 18. So he was a kind of a mentor. He was a very wise fellow from uh, uh, Delaware, I think it was, yeah. Uh, and uh, we, as I've said, I, I think I had the top bunk and he had the lower bunk in basic training in, in the barracks. And uh, he kind of took me under his wing, and, and we really had a very nice uh, relationship uh, which unfortunately uh, ended when he uh, left uh, and I left and I wound up in Italy in in the radio station in Livorno. Did you get a chance to explore Italy while you were there? 
not not much. No. Oh, I did go. Uh, there was a two week uh, vacation that was made to uh, certain uh, people if they applied for them. I applied, and uh, it was like a uh, a group, a small group, who were uh, taken to Switzerland and uh, stayed at all these really grand hotels and uh, uh, I, I was on that for I think it was a week or two weeks and uh, it was uh, very pleasant. And when you met the Pope? Oh, oh yes and uh, I, I talked them into me doing a radio uh, uh, show uh, recording of the the Pope who was coming out of uh, of his uh, self-imposed uh, exile during the war. Now that it was over, he was returning to the Vatican in in Rome, and I uh, I I had I got a uh, an interview with uh, several of the people, not not the Pope himself, but several people, and recorded it and. Uh, that was also a very ex- uh, uh, interesting experience, like uh, going into the Sistine Chapel when it was empty, and all those beautiful uh, uh, Michelangelo painted ceiling that he did. Uh, it was uh, it was incredible to be there all by myself. But you did meet the Pope. I did meet the Pope. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, that then. Um, we were all in this uh, big room, and Pope uh, uh, was going to, uh, uh, I guess, uh, perform mass. Uh, anyway, he came down the aisle, and I was seated on the aisle, uh, kneeling with a bunch of other uh, guys. And uh, he he started down at one end. I was in the middle, and I noticed he was holding out his ring, and uh, the guys were kissing the ring. Now, uh, I got from my father this thing about bugs, and uh, I avoided uh, any bugs that I possibly could. And here these guys were kissing this ring. I didn't know. They may have had a cold. Who knows? (laughs) So uh, when he came by, I didn't actually kiss the ring. I kind of turned my head a cheek, and the cheek hit his ring rather than my lips. But, but he blessed your rosary for your grandmother. Oh, and he blessed my rosary that I had bought uh, for my grandmother. Very cool. Who was a, a, a very ardent uh, Catholic. Yeah. So when you when you uh, when you got out of the uh, the army when you returned home from Italy, uh, you went on to uh, to attend college and you used your GI Bill. Is that right? That's right. The IG, uh, the GI Bill got me through uh, that, and uh, me working there. Yeah, uh, several years I worked at a cafeteria, that uh, you know, for my meals, uh, because the, it, it it didn't provide uh, too much. It it it, dep- it, 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 it deprived you of uh, what, honey? Uh, well, the tuition and all the, the books. Tuition, yes. All the books. They paid for all the books. Yeah, the, uh, all the books, all that got paid. I'm in the I'm the only one in my family who ever went to college. Did you? Was that your plan? Like did, when you when you uh, when you were in Italy, were you planning like, all right, when I'm home, I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this education benefit and I'm I'm gonna go to college. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, 
where did I get the idea of Northwest? No, my mother. Um, <clears throat> no, you got it from uh, Howard Lindsay. He's my, the one. my mother was in Chicago with the kid and said it was up there. Yeah, but before that, when you were in life with father, you got Howard Lindsay told you what to do when you got out of the army. What did he tell me what to do? I know, Howard Lindsay, you said you wanted to be an actor and, and you were going to be drafted. And... Oh, yeah, yeah. And Howard Lindsay was the star and author of Life with Father. And he came back into it after a year off because that play ran on Broadway for nine years, believe it or not. And at any rate, uh, I was fortunate enough to um, be going uh, from stage manager into uh, one of the roles, uh, the second oldest boy, there were four boys, uh, when Mr. Lindsay was rehearsing, uh, refreshing himself on, on, on his role. Because he had left the play. Yeah, he had left he came the back. play and, uh, for a year, and then he came back at that time. And so uh, I was able to speak to him, and uh, um, I, I said, uh, I, I remember I knocked on his door, his dressing room door, and he said, come in, with his commanding voice. <clears throat> And I said, Mr. Lindsay, uh, you know, I'm going to uh, uh, be drafted, and uh, I was wondering uh, what I might do after uh, after. Should I, should, I go, should I go to the American yeah, Academy? Yeah, I said, when I get out, uh, should I go to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts? And he was kind of funny. He, he was putting on his makeup, and he said, uh, close the dressing room door. So I closed it, and I went over, and he said, don't go there. He said, I'm on the board of that, and um, and I don't think that's a good idea. <clears throat> he said, I think what you should do is write the government for colleges that have a good theater departments. Uh, so I did, actually, and I got about four or five names. Uh, like Yale and uh, Catholic University, where the uh, Walter Kerr, Walter Kerr was, and uh, and Northwestern. So my uh, sisters were out in Chicago playing with Walter Houston in a play, and I went out after getting out of the army. I was still in uniform, as a matter of fact. I flew out there with my dad and met her, and my mother said, you know, I think one of those uh, schools, universities, was mentioned that, that it's just up north of here someplace. So I inquired, and I, you know, I got on a, on the train, went up to Northwestern in Evanston. Well, it was gorgeous. I mean, the, the buildings, the whole campus on Lake Michigan, I fell in love with just looking at it. And I had no appointment or anything. I had to ask around uh, about admissions. And they said, well, they, they're over there. And I went in without an appointment. And finally, I sat down in front of this officer. You in uniform. I, I was in uniform, yes. And, uh, and I said, uh, and so in, in this admissions office, he said to me, well, um, what is your education? Uh, well, I had a very uh, slipshod education. When he heard I'd been on Broadway, he said, oh, well, uh, okay, there's, uh, matter of fact, there 
having entrance exams over there. I said, exams? Now, you know, my education up until that point was pretty spotty. Anyway, I went over, and I took this uh, entrance exam. Well, I only got through half of it uh, before some instructor said, are you finished? And I looked up, and everybody else had left the room, and I was only half done of this uh, exam, which had these yes and no periods. You know, I think, well, this could be yes, could be no. I don't know. Anyway, uh, he took my exam half finished, and I thought, well, got on a train to go back down to Chicago where my uh, folks were with my sister in, in that play, and I thought maybe I'd blown it, but at any rate, uh, I got in, uh, they accepted me. At, I think because you'd been on Broadway yes. and because you were a soldier. Yes. You both. were, you were being, yeah, I, you'd been in the Army. Yes, and uh, they were interested in somebody that had been through what I'd been through. That's as much as I know to answer your question. Sure, sure. No, that's fine. Um, so, uh, I want to be mindful of your time. I just, just got a couple more questions for you, sir. Um, yes. Some people may recognize you from uh, saying elsewhere. Some people may recognize you as the voice of Kit Knight Rider, but some of us those of a certain age, those that grew up in the 90s, of course, remember you as Mr. Feeney uh, from Boy Meets World. Um, yes. Yes. What, uh, before I get into my question, just curious, is that the, um, of, of all the things you've done of your illustrious career, is that what you're most recognized, like in public and such as, is Mr. Feeney? Uh, yes, I would say yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. As in, it was the last, um, you know, Big thing I did there. Yeah, yeah. Did, um, did you did you find it all that while you were getting into acting, as you were as you were auditioning, as you were getting hired, as you were building your career, um, did you did you notice any benefits from uh, from your time in the service, like any skill sets or any experiences you had that was contributing to your success in acting? This is a long question. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me let me shorten it for you. Um, was there was there any experience or anything that you gained in the in the army that was contributing to your success as an actor? Yeah, a lot of discipline, yes. I think just getting away from your family, breaking away. Oh yes, well, my family and I, I, you know, my sisters and I were performers and we were very close and everything. So uh, getting out of the army, I had. Being on your own. Uh, I was on my own and. Uh, so going to Northwestern was kind of a break for me, uh, a difference for me. And uh, even though I uh, was probably not a very good student, certainly at the beginning, uh, having been only in professional children's school where, you know, you didn't do anything except appear and then say, I have an appointment, and then go down a chock full of nuts and have coffee and read the New York Times. So, no, it was, I, I will interrupt here, because it was like, he's always said that going to, going to the Army was the best part of his life, because it got him on his own, and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. and then it got him into college, which he probably wouldn't have gone into. No. Never would have gone to college. No, my family. Uh, I'm they the only no one who went to college, actually, in my family. They didn't even graduate from high school. Yeah. No, they didn't. Mm -mm. Uh, working class family. 
So the um, army was a very lucky thing for him. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Not only did I enjoy it, but it was lucky that it allowed me the GI Bill when I got out. So I went to Northwestern where I met the lady who was uh, on the phone with me. She helped me a lot to get through because, as I say, my education up until then was an apartment in 54th Street with a guy who barely knew what he was teaching me. We both tried to... It was to... a focus, bogus. Yes. Yeah. Kind of bogus uh, education. For yeah. professional children. Yeah. Right. And <clears throat> you didn't learn very much. So uh, so meeting Bonnie was important. She taught me how to... But, she, you, had, but you were just very lucky, Bill, the way it all worked out. You're the, one of the luckiest people I know. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> yeah, I am lucky. You really I mean, are. I know. Uh, I'm, I see myself stumbling around from one thing to another uh, and uh, settling down in Northwestern for the... Bonnie got us through in three and a half years. She was very anxious to get back to New York. I wasn't. I was enjoying... Uh, Northwestern very much, and I knew what it waited for us back in New York. She wanted to get an acting career, and I had been an actor, and I knew that neither one of us had reputa uh, representation in terms of an agent, that it was going to be a tough road to hoe. You know, thinking about it now, it's like structure. You really, you really do well hmm? in a structured way. The Army is structured. Oh, I see. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. school yeah. is structured. I see. Northwestern is structured. Okay. No, but you're not very good on your own. You need <laughs> you need pushing. You need somebody to That's help you. That's true. Yeah. I'm a little lazy, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, very, so, Bonnie very, isn't. So yeah. uh, we were inseparable all the way through Northwestern. And when we graduated, we got married. Very good. Is there is there anything? Uh, I mean, you've had a very illustrious career. I mean, do you uh, do you have anything uh, pending in 2019 that we can be excited about, or are you just enjoying a retired life uh, no, there with I'm your family? Enjoying, I'm enjoying retired life. I no, he's going. He's on a uh, what? What's um, <clears throat> Melissa McCarthy has a movie coming out that Bill is doing. Kit, oh, the voice yeah. of Kit. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. I okay. did that. <clears throat> That'll be out in 2019. Well, well, I, I appreciate your conversation and from from both of you. It's been it's been very exciting to, um, you know, one of the, one of the greatest parts of being a podcaster and and being a and being able to interview veterans is you start learning about who is a veteran that you didn't know before. And when I learned that you were a veteran, and I, the 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 uh, the child in me was so excited to have an opportunity to interview Mister Feeney for the podcast. So uh, I, I appreciate your time, sir. Is, is there anything you'd like to say? Any anything you'd like to say to the veterans and their families that are listening? That the veterans need a lot of more support than they're getting, and Bill is certainly. All for that. Yes. Yes. Well, very good. Well, here at VA, we're we're doing our darndest to uh, to to provide the the, the care and, and uh, to serve veterans in the best way that we can. Okay. Good. Good. All right. All right. So so it was nice talking to you. It was a pleasure talking to you, sir. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. The VA 
state does a very good job on the medical side. I don't know of anybody that has any complaints. My primary care doctor is probably the best doctor I've ever had in my life. He was one of my friends, good patient of mine. He only comes once a week, but I enjoy, I enjoy him. She really comes in special. Yes, early I in the do. morning. Early in the Just morning. For me. That's exactly why I choose VA. Choose VA today. Visit va.gov. I want to thank Tim and William for getting together for that episode. This week's Born the Battle Veteran of the Week is by the way of the VA's Veteran of the Day program. Every day, our social media team honors a veteran on all of our social media platforms and with a blog on blogs.va.gov. You can nominate the veteran in your life by emailing in a bio and five pictures to newmedia at va.gov. You got an uncle, you got a dad, you got a mom, sister, brother, whatever it is, you can email the bio, five pictures, and the email address newmedia at va.gov will honor them with a veteran of the day. Merle James Smith Jr. was born in Greenville, South Carolina in 1944. As the son of an army colonel, Smith spent his childhood in Germany, Japan, and several other places across the United States before attending Aberdeen High School in Maryland. Smith entered the Coast Guard Academy in 1962 and graduated with a degree in marine engineering. He was the first black candidate to graduate from the academy. Smith served as a communications officer and later as an operations officer on the Cutter Minnetonka. And in 1967, he took command of the 95-foot Cutter Cape Wash. After two years, he deployed to Vietnam, where he commanded two patrol boats. Smith led over 80 naval fire support missions during Operation Market Time, as well as an Operation Sea Lords mission. His crew was responsible for the destruction of 10 enemy bunkers, four rocket launchers, 13 structures, and nine sampans. During this time, he became the first black officer to command a U.S. warship in close quarters combat and received a bronze star with a V device. Smith returned from Vietnam and served at Coast Guard headquarters in D.C. as deputy chief of the Coast Guard Military Justice Division. Meanwhile, he attended George Washington University Law School. The next year, he became faculty at the Coast Guard Academy, where he taught classes and worked as an assistant coach for the Academy's football team. Didn't know they had a football team. In 1977, he served as the presidential inaugural's aide to Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, Patricia Harris. Smith retired from active duty service at the rank of commander and joined the Coast Guard Reserve in 1979. He went on to join the legal staff of the Electronic Boat Division of General Dynamics, which built submarines, which at the time was building submarines, where he held the position of chief counsel of the legal department until his retirement in 1995. Smith retired from the Coast Guard Reserve in 88, again at the rank of commander, and he continued involvement with the Coast Guard Academy as a member of the Board of Control of the Alumni Association and Executive Committee of the Board of Directors of the Coast Guard Foundation. He also led the National Coast Guard Museum Project for 12 years and served on the Board of Directors of the Coast Guard Foundation. Unfortunately, Smith died on June 16th, 2021, at the age of 76. Coast Guard veteran Merle James Smith. We honor his service. Ready. Hey. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a future born in the battle veteran of the week so we can all learn their story, you can. Just send an email to podcast at va.gov 
include a short write-up and let us know why you'd like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. And if you like this podcast episode, hit the subscribe button. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcatching app known to phone, computer, tablet, or man. For more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov, and follow the VA on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, RallyPoint, LinkedIn, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. And as always, I'm reminded by people smarter than me to remind you that the Department of Veterans Affairs does not endorse or officially sanction any entities that may be discussed in this podcast, nor any media products or services they may provide. I said that because the song you're hearing now is called Machine Gunner, which is courtesy of the nonprofit Operation Song, and was written by Marine veteran Mark McKilhenny, Nashville songwriter Jason Seaver, and Michael Duncan. Have a great day. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Take care. We gotta get them one way or the other. Machine gun. Firefight bullets fly day and night rain. Simplify till we die another campaign. My desk is a rock where the drug lords cut up millions. My pen is a 7.62 round that'll cut them down in an instant. Point, click, pull the trigger to the tune of falling brass. And a purple heart And a Russian-made bullet in my back Raining down lead Punching that clock Get them, boys, I'm laying down Cover machine gun bullets fly Day and night rain Simplify, do or die Another campaign Here we go, lock and load 0331, lug a thousand rounds And I ain't bringing back one